For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 277 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hollis Burkhart. And, uh, no, don't get too disappointed. Will is not with us just quite yet. He will be joining us tonight. He is just getting the little ones to bed, and then he'll be jumping in. But I wanted to go ahead and get things kicked off with our guest this week, because we've got a lot to talk about. Not even (laughs) just Mandalorian-related. So our guest this week, man, what a good guy he is. One of the shining lights of Star Wars Twitter for me. Someone who, like, on my worst days when I'm like, Star Wars Twitter sucks. I'm like, well, it's tough to say that because if it wasn't for Star Wars Twitter, I wouldn't have met, hell, any guest we've had on the Mandalorian shows so far. Um, And this is one of them. It's our buddy. He is royalty to us. You can hear him on the Sith list on Patreon shows for Steel Wars and the Bad Motivators. And of course, on our own Patreon with Masters of Harvest Kasi, it's our buddy, King Tom Chansky. Wow. Um, I thought you were queuing up the intro for someone else, but I <laughs> thank you very much. It's it's so great to be here talking with you. And we got we definitely got lucky this week because like there's just a ton of stuff going on that like and it's stuff that you and I are into. Yeah. Like it's weird. Right. So mm-hmm. when we when I started the Blue Harvest Patreon, I reached out to you. and I was like, if you have any ideas for mm-hmm. a show you'd like to do, you're like Star Wars video games perfect right and it's been a lot of fun and then this week not only do we have star wars video game news we also have a star wars video game reference in this week's mandalorian yep (laughs) it's weird how that kind of stuff lines up Mm -hmm. um so uh if if uh, here's a little hint if things continue on this path next week there'll be some kind of he-man reference in uh, the Mandalorian. So that's a little hint at our guest for next week. Anyways, um, I guess we'll just jump right into it, buddy. Well, besides that, how you been? I've been been pretty well. Uh, You know, 
here in Columbus, Ohio, my county went purple, which is not a good thing. You know, it, Mace Windu, not a good thing going purple. Uh, but, you know, my family and I were managing to live our life and enjoy it for the most part. We're doing all right. Yeah, the, the whole rising cases thing has got me quite nervous, especially with it being a holiday week coming up. Granted, my uh, family thanksgiving that jesse and i are going to is going to be very small it's mm-hmm. not going to be you know a big the entire burkhart and malcolm family coming together type deal it's going to be very small and you know i think jesse and i will probably eat outside you know keep the visit short unfortunately but mm-hmm. yeah man ready i uh, ready for that to not as be be as big of a concern that's for sure yeah, it's just going to we were going to go see family, but we decided just to keep it the four of us. And uh, usually I, I like to do a prime rib, but with just four of us, that's uh, that's a bit much. So I'm going to do ribs instead. Oh, man. And I've seen King Tom's ribs on Twitter. They look pretty good. Yep. <clears throat> what What's your approach to ribs? Are you a dry rub man? Are you a sauce man? Are you a dry rub and then a sauce man? I, I do both, actually. Um, my sauce is best in the summer because I, I make it out of Vidalia onions. Uh, when they're nice and uh, in season. Yeah, yeah. I like to, you know, mince them and then make a sauce around those. And I, I rub, I put a rub on them overnight. And I, I've developed, I use a charcoal grill mm-hmm. for this. I also, I'm not like a charcoal or nothing. I right. have a gas, I, I have both, but... um feel like will should be here for this although you know he'd probably have you know tell me everything i'm doing wrong which is fine i put a rub on him overnight usually i do two sides of ribs and then i'll put them on the grill low medium heat for about 25 minutes aside and this i have the coals on one side of the grill mm-hmm. and the rack that's closer to the um the coals i'll have the rib side down the meat side up i got and then i and then when after 25 minutes i switch and flip sounds good to me buddy yeah i came i came up with that like last year i'd been doing it for 10 years and they would always get you know they were really good but a little bit over this way it's it's always been perfect awesome the perfect rib by king tom um so Something you and I have been excited about leading into this year is Star Wars Squadrons. Yep. Which we got, uh, you know, coming up on about two months ago now. And, and and they said no extra content. Yeah, and what what did, I think we both said it. I don't know if we believe that. I don't know if if this game is a big hit if we won't see some sort of additions. And then, you know, they kind of... Uh, Broke that a little bit by being like, you can get a baby Yoda and a Razor Crest and an IG-11 in your cockpit. Mm-hmm. Well, they really broke it this week when they announced that they are bringing the B-Wing and the TIE Defender to mm-hmm. uh, Squadrons, which I'm very excited for. Yeah, I think they said the TIE Defender is going to be a fighter and the B-Wing is going to be a bomber. Okay, cool. I can and, see that. Yeah, I, I because it's <laughs> multiplayer, I am not expecting either of these ships to be as awesome as they were in the nineties video games. Yeah, or 
or Rebels. I don't think we're going to be seeing that B-Wing do the stuff it was doing in Rebels. Yeah, I mean, they might probably give it that beam. Oh, I'm sure. Laser, which would be really cool. But yeah, I'm not... I think, didn't both have regular lasers, ion lasers, and then two different... Missile types or something? Missile types, yeah. Yeah. And and so, correct me if I'm wrong. I was trying to look into this, but kind of uh, dropped the ball. The TIE Defender, which in recent Star Wars history was introduced in Rebels as part of like Admiral Thrawn's uh, pet project, Mm -hmm. was actually originally uh, in TIE Fighter, right? That was its first appearance? Yeah, it's from... That was its first appearance, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm real excited. And and to be honest, like, I think it's good after that. Like, of course, I would take maybe an extra mode, but that's probably a lot to ask for. But mm-hmm. adding well, B-Wings and, and Defenders, that's that's the ticket for me. I think they're adding a, like, a... I, di- I didn't read this part of it because just I was I was very excited about the, 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 the new ships, but they are adding, like, a one versus one dogfight or something oh well and i also saw that they're adding custom games which is really cool yeah yeah because and uh, that means like if we want to get together with eight other people we'll be mm-hmm. able to play together now you know split on two sides but right that would right. that was kind of difficult to organize before that update so i think custom uh games is a really good idea a, a, a robo squadron divided against itself cannot stand <laughs> Uh, but they and then I think they're adding the um, False Star Haven that first map. Yes, they are as, adding an extra map and some new components. Yeah, and I, I figure the new components will probably be like you mentioned that uh, the cannon that the B wing mm-hmm. has in Rebels, and you know stuff to supplement these new fighters. Right, yeah. like um, I think that's probably <clears throat> what that uh, will entail. Yeah, my my son, he 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 loves squadrons and he he'll play either the story mode or fleet battles with the AI. Nice. Um, you know, I don't I don't let him play real people yet and he really wants to spend some of the the in-game money on something like no, we got to and, and when I told him about the Tide Defender and B-Wing the other day, he was very excited. Oh, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Um yeah. Yeah, I like to see this. And they, I mean, they straight up came out and said, like, it's kind of because of the response it got that we decided to go forward with this. Mm-hmm. Now, something tells me, I'm no game development expert, but these are not small additions to add two new whole ass ships to the game. No. And I think they might have been in in at least in some sort of development for a little while in their back pocket just in case. Yeah, I have I have a feeling about that that too, especially because they're different types of shit like the the flying profile mm-hmm. especially for the B-wing is going to be so different because you're not I I do kind of wonder if you're going to be considered in the center or if you're off center. So I feel like it probably will be a bit off center. And the reason I Mm -hmm. say that is because, you know, I feel like when you're in the tie bomber, you're a little off center. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, it's either, I can't remember if it's the U wing or the, um, Reaper feels a little off center as well. 
Hmm. Um, well, I know it feels off center in like the cockpit. Yeah, the the U wing does for sure. Yeah. So I think uh, I think they I think it will reflect that because yeah. they're really I, good about nailing that element of right. the game. But in in the original game, especially for for the B wing. The, the orientation of the ship played a role. Like you could switch it and change the, the, the position of the S-foils. That's really not a mechanic I've noticed in squadrons. No, and it will be interesting to see if they take that into account and implement that in some way. Right. Because um, it definitely seems like when you're in the X-Wing, the, uh, the S-foils are always in attack position. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe you. I mean, you definitely can't close them manually, but I don't think like when you do the boost or something, they close. No, because um, no, you can still fire at the same time. Right. <clears throat> so I think, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they mm-hmm. they deal with that. Um, but I, I'm excited. So I think the first uh, sort of minor quote unquote update is coming this month mm-hmm. with the new map custom games and maybe the new components and then I think so the new ships are next month so it's not an immediate thing but it's also not long it's not far no. away either no it's like a you know Christmas present yeah and then you gotta imagine if there's going to be a Star Wars game next year which I don't know man it's tough to say so many things are getting delayed and moved around because of COVID Mm-hmm. You got to wonder if a development of any sort of uh, upcoming Star Wars game would be a- affected. But if there yeah. is one, we're, I would think uh, spring ish next year we'll hear about it. Um, mm-hmm. If we don't hear about a game coming next year, then I think it's pretty safe to say our our next game will be uh, Fallen Order Two, Jedi Fallen right. Order Two. Mm-hmm. And when when does the uh, contract? run through 2023 i believe okay so that would be right before we get the next movie i would guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) we may get one final if they don't extend the contract one final ea star wars game uh right before if they keep up the release like you know winter release it might be the game that ends up coming right before a movie because squadrons honestly is the first game we've gotten that hasn't preceded a movie you know the original battlefront was right before force awakens battlefront 2 just before um last jedi fallen order right before rise of skywalker uh and then i guess you know we've got the skywalker saga lego game coming next year which yeah i'm I'm actually looking forward to checking out Mm -hmm. kind of forget about that yeah i mean it's I think it's a good i I think it's good that they delayed it out of this year, uh, mm-hmm. because I do think it would have been sort of overshadowed by squadrons in a lot of regards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for that fact alone, I'm glad they delayed it, and now um, it's got uh, you know it's got a chance to sort of stand out on its own, <clears throat> and possibly you know be a little better than it would have been when it first released, or when it was originally planned to release. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, glad to see they uh, they didn't stick to that whole idea of not uh, uh, upgrading or uh, updating squadrons anymore. Yes, yeah. they they literally knocked out the one thing of been like, where's the B wing? Mm-hmm. Oh, and I do think it's interesting with it being five person teams now. 
you could theoretically have one of each ship type on your team. Oh, yeah, you could. So I think that could lead to some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as sort of your, your squadron makeup and stuff. So, yeah, <clears throat> we got to get Robo squadron going. We were talking about it so much before it came out and then we just haven't had a chance, but like you and I got to play a couple of matches. I yep. still haven't gotten to play with Robo. That poor dude. I don't know if you've ever checked out his video game podcast, but he records I, about mm, 3 million video game podcasts a week. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an entertaining show. They, they definitely have quite the intense schedule, like three mm-hmm. episodes a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Um, so, uh, Will hasn't, uh, gotten here just yet. Oh, you know, one thing I did want to bring up, uh, we're not far from the, the high Republic stuff finally launching. Yeah. It's only what, f- five or six weeks away now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the first week of January. Yeah. The um, I did see that I, I have not read these because I don't know. I just want. Oh, I read that intro that came out back in August or whatever. But mm-hmm. I guess the first eight chapters of Charles Soule's book are now online. Oh, yeah. I I'll probably probably avoid that too because mm-hmm. I know it's not like I'm going to read those eight chapters and then just pick up with chapter nine when it comes out. Like right. Yeah. I'm very excited, though, like already, you know, thinking about how I'm going to get my hands on the comics, Mm because I think I'm actually going to try to get those uh, physical, like get physical versions of those and things like that. But I think I'm all in on uh, High Republic, at least to start off with. I'm going to try and get it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, I've got my Audible credits saved up, although I don't think every one of the books is going to have an audio book. I think at least really? two of them are. Yeah, some of the, and I could be mistaken about this, but I believe some of the like younger reader stuff doesn't okay. always get an audio version. Mm-hmm. Oh! Will's trying to call. We will be oh. right back. I'm going to get him added to our call. No, it's all oh, right. Will, Will, <laughs> Will, Will, our buddy Will's back. Hey, 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 hey. I'm glad you're here, buddy. Good to be here. So uh, I fucked up the original recording when you got here. So fill us in. What's been going on? We, uh, you know, you've had trouble with your internet. I did. I, uh, you know, because of Corona, I chose to do the self-install. I figured, hey, I'm tech savvy. I can set up my own internet and cable. So I, uh, I ordered the cable boxes and the router. This was like a Wednesday, and then Thursday. You know, the the cable boxes show up on the front door at the new house. They said it should be three to five business days. I was like, oh, wow, that was one business day. Mm. I got the cable boxes. I'm sure the modem will show up Friday, and then I'll be able to record with pause. Uh, Friday, no modem. And oh. then the next Monday, uh, no modem. No, Tuesday, no modem. Wednesday was Veterans Day. So I was like, oh, okay, so they get Wednesday. Uh, it should be here Thursday. And then I will record with pause that Friday. No modem. So I called them and I'm like, hey, I've waited my three to five business days. And they're like, oh, it's showing that it's still in the mail. It should get there. If it's not there in the next day or two, you know, just give us a call back and uh, you just need to wait for it to come in. So I'm like, okay. So I missed that week. And then the next Monday, I'm like, hey, look, I'm tired of waiting. Okay. I've given you guys seven business days. But in that, uh, you know what it's like calling 
the automated systems. Oh God, I hate those. I was like, I want to speak to an agent. Give me a live person. <laughs> and they keep trying to reboot my router. Like the uh, the automated, uh, you know, thing is like, have you tried restarting your router? And I'm screaming <laughs> into the phone. I was like, I haven't got the damn router yet. And uh, I, you know, I would restart it if I could. You know, and um, so, and then I finally get a person after two. After two different people that are transferring me, they're like, oh, we'll see what we can do about getting you a router and transfer. Oh, oh I, I think we can get you a router transfer. And then that last guy's like, yeah, uh, so I'm looking at the, the Comcast office in your area. You can just go there and pick one up. And like, that's when I like slap myself in the face and I'm like, so this whole time <laughs> I could have just gone to the store and said, hey, I didn't get my, my modem and you could give me one. He's like, yeah, just tell him that you can get it in the mail. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, like half of me was like, thank you. And the other half was like, I could kill you like right now. Like, <laughs> so oh, I go to the boy. store, I get the modem, I try to hook it up and then go figure. Uh, it starts telling me, you know, there's no signal coming from any of those coaxial cables. So I was like, oh, God, oh, somebody is going to die. And then uh, so I was like, look, I need a technician out here next day. Like they're like same day tech. I'm this is like 8 a.m. I call and they're like, oh, we can get you in at one o'clock. Technician come. I was like, yeah, I'll be here. I will be here. And so technician comes. He's really efficient. He knows what's going on. Basically, the people that were in the house before had like dish network, ah. and uh, you know, cable itself has been through like two updates since. So he had to replace the coaxial cable jacks in the house for uh, high-frequency cable, and he had to run the cable line from the main box in the neighborhood to my house. Uh, and the houses in this area, you know, they have to have lines buried underground. He was like, you can wait another 7 to 14 days, and a crew will come out here and bury it, and uh, or I can set you up with a temporary one, and then they can just come bury it whenever. I was like, uh, give me the temporary internet, like, mm -hmm. right now. Uh, so that's where we are. After all of that internet frustration, I'm finally online. Yeah, and I, I have cake. I got my uh, hopes up. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday. I think it might have been yesterday that I saw you log in to Xbox Live for a second. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, I think you might have internet. So you got the nits, <clears throat> buddy. I'm sure it's about time because I have uh, about exhausted my my DVD backlog of, an, <laughs> of anime and uh, you know fantasy movies and sci-fi movies. I uh, oh so you didn't have actual cable the whole time either. No, no, cold Ooh. turkey. Ooh, Ew, that sucks. Um, oh yeah. Well, I'm glad they got it figured out for you, buddy. So. Yeah, so you couldn't make it the last couple of weeks, and uh, in that time, we had two episodes of The Mandalorian that we had guests on to talk about. So before we jump into Chapter 12, which will be the main discussion for tonight, what did you think of 10 and 11? Oh, so good. Kind of uh, standalone stories, if that makes sense. Like a lot of solo Mando and Baby Yoda, right? Solo Mando and the Child. Um, really awesome frog lady. The frog lady <laughs> is very... Uh, I, I say like a sympathetic character. Like you can really relate to her. 
you, you know, there's a lot of emotional connectedness to that frog lady. Buddy, I am glad to see that your team frog lady. Team frog lady yeah, is it's got a passionate fan base. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, the Bo Katan showing up just blew my brain. Right, I was like, oh, oh, so we're doing Boba Fett. Uh, you know, Cobb Vanth and Bo-Katan. We're just like bringing all of the characters, the possible Mandalorian characters. And if you're gonna, why not, bro? Like, if you're gonna, you better bring it. Like, the Mandalorian is where it's happening. But uh, it blew my mind a little bit, but it was good to see. What'd you think about the um, Ahsoka Tano name drop? Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I could tell. You know, I figured if Bo-Katan was in there that, you know, Ahsoka was not not far behind um so we okay so in last week's episode in chapter 11 we finally got some insight into why the mandalorian won't remove his helmet it's something you and i have been talking about since last year it is so they are like the evolution of what death watch became i think yeah i think they're just straight up death watch he's a child of the watch uh, I right, do okay. think, obviously, Death Watch has evolved since we saw them in right. Clone Wars because they were taking their helmets off just as much as everybody else in the Clone Wars. Right. Um, so I, I thought that was an interesting concept. Um, I thought so, too. One that, like, how did we not see that coming, honestly, with the flashback right. uh, the last flashback, season? The Death Watch flashback? Yeah, and them rescuing yeah. them. Like, I have not heard... Of all the theories I've heard or come up with on my own, the answer just being, oh, he's part of Death Watch, and Death Watch don't take their helmets off now. It was never one that crossed my mind. It seemed too obvious, you know, because it was never, this is the first time Death Watch is referenced, you know, other than the fact that we saw those old uniforms Mm -hmm. in that flashback. Like, really, this is the first time they've said anything about being, he doesn't know what the watch is, you know. What what Death Watch is? No, he doesn't seem to realize that there's any approach to being a Mandalorian besides the one he was, you know, raised up in. Right. <clears throat> and it's interesting that Bo-Katan tells him, you know, this is the way, and he he says it back. You know, I assume that's not just a Death Watch thing. Like at some point in that episode, I was like, oh, only the Death Watch, you know. They say this is the way, but apparently it's a it's an all Mandalorian thing. Yeah, I wonder if it's more of like an ancient Mandalorian creed because she says that the Watch want yeah. to restore. I can't remember exactly how she says it, but they want to restore the ways of ancient Mandalore or whatever. Did, didn't yeah. Death Watch, as we saw them in the Clone Wars, also kind of want that? Yeah, but in that, it almost seemed like they wanted to take mandalorian culture back to a more sort of warfaring warrior style culture right right? instead of because they were kind of like um like a clan or tribal well yeah they were kind of neutral in the clone wars to start off with right tom like yeah like satine kept them out of the conflict it seemed like right so mandalorian society overall was but death watch they just wanted to kick everyone's ass right exactly i mean mandalore is mandalorians as a as sort of a whole were mm-hmm. <clears throat> were trying to you know get past that idea so it lines up you're you're actually you're absolutely correct and i just wonder what kind of wrinkles they're going to add to that concept of taking 
Mandalorians back to their ancient ways. You know, because they're going to add more to them. Like, no, they just want to start shit all the time. You know, obviously a newer wrinkle is that they don't take off their helmets, which I assume way back in the day, you know, that was a thing Mandalorians did. They didn't remove their helmets. And then at some point they let that uh, go to the wayside. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Tom, can you think of anything we should get Will's? I'm trying to hit the big points of 10 and um, 11 before we hit 12. <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think you pretty much got most of them. Yeah. Oh, wh- what'd you think of Filoni? <laughs> oh, I loved it. <laughs> the, uh, the X-Wing pilot. Oh, uh, I, 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 Will, how do you like your eggs? Um, you talking about frog ladies' eggs? <laughs> Any kind of eggs. Those poor eggs, mm. man. I like mine scrambled. Poor, poor, uh, man. Not, not, not the greatest choice for, for Yoda or Yoda, baby Yoda. Did not cast him in the greatest light. Uh, No. They really seem like after season one, just in general, when we saw that scene of him eating the frog, you know what I'm talking about? Right. That they were like. Oh, that's going to be one of his things. He just eats whatever the hell he can get his hands on. Right. Which He's starving. Which the yeah. poor child is starving. Which has continued on through the next two episodes after chapter 10. Um, so, yeah, like, why don't we move on to chapter 12, which is the siege? Um, it's our return to Navarro, um, Grief Karga, and the Mithril from um, the first episode are back, and good old. <laughs> as well <laughs> really uh putting her stank on star wars doing it big uh tom we'll start with you what'd you think of this episode buddy i you know except for the presence of one person i really liked it i thought that it was a i did I don't want to say I didn't expect much of it once we knew that they weren't going directly to Ahsoka, but it looked like it was going to be an action episode. Mm-hmm. And it was a very Boy, well done action episode. And then in the last few minutes, you had she who should not be named. You know, she had an emotional moment. And it is sad because I like the concept of the character. Yep. That's I I mean, when someone is fucking hateful and ignorant, like it's hard to say it's a shame that their fictional character is then unlikable because the real issue is the shit they have boiling up inside of them. You know what I mean? Right. That's the real shame. Right. She has said things (laughs) and supported things that 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 will get people hurt Mm -hmm. or get people sick. And right. It, 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 yeah. It's, um, I just don't like seeing her as part of the show. But so that character had, had a good emotional moment. And then you add in everything that happened on Moff Gideon's ship there. And I think, yeah. you know, we, we were talking about it uh, earlier. I guess Giancarlo Esposito was saying during the summer that he had a new vehicle. Yep. And I think that's it. Uh, and then th- that, reveal at the end just kind of gave you an idea of what he was up to yeah so 
Yeah. Much like I you. I have some questions. Oh, I think <laughs> we might have some answers for you, buddy. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is, much like you, Tom, going into this, I thought, oh, it's it's going to be, you know, like you said, an action episode. We've seen mm-hmm. some things from this episode in the trailer that were pretty action heavy. Um, and it's going to be sort of the bump in the road on the way to Ahsoka, right? Yeah. So, you know, I... It, I wasn't like going into it thinking like, oh, this the the story of this episode is going to be bad. But I wasn't expecting anything earth shadowing. And no, no in I wasn't a either. really cool way, they kind of turned it on its head and and gave us, you know, we we finally got our first hints of why they wanted Baby Yoda. We right. get the crazy reveal at the end, which I would have never predicted would be something that would that they would reincorporate into star Wars. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and on top of that, some really cool, well done action set pieces. Uh, you know, the tie fighter shit, incredible, the speeder bike shit, incredible. Um, but Will, you have questions. What are your questions, my friend? Well, let me just agree with both of you, uh, on how action packed, I mean, this one turned it up to 11. I mean, shoot them out, blow them up. You know, it was action heavy. And then it was weird there for a minute. The Mando kind of disappeared. But I was like, oh, you know, he's had several episodes to himself. Like, I understand why we need to see these characters for a minute. But um, so the installation is a laboratory. And what you see there are failed volunteer experiments where they're trying to put the child's blood into other people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they specifically uh, mentioned that they don't think they'll find a donor with as, as high of an M count, a midichlorian count, like an M yeah, right. midichlorian count. And so my, is that connected <laughs> to all of those, what seem like, you know, droids or, you know, uh, Moff Gideon's, you know, closet of death droids or whatever. <laughs> are those cyborgs or are they droids or, well, you know, what does that have anything to do with the lab research? I, so that's a question I'm not quite sure. Are the two connected? Because I think, much like a lot of people, when we see these bodies floating around in the tubs or the big tubes or whatever, my first mm-hmm. thought is, oh shit, they're really doing it. They're doing like a Snoke connection or a Palpatine connection. Right. And then at the end, when we saw, which, by the way, those are dark troopers. Oh, are they? Those are dark mm-hmm. troopers. Okay. That was my theory, and I'm sure a ton of other people's theory, you know, at three o'clock in the morning after finishing the episode. And then in the weirdest way imaginable, it got confirmed today. So, Will, something that you've missed out on has been sort of the uh, unexpected ways that we found out information about these episodes. Okay. So after last week, my big question were like, Oh, it's badass to see, um, Bo-Katan. What were the other two Mando's names? And I can't remember. Yeah. Well, they never said it. And I posed that question. They were in the credits or something. I posed that question on Patreon and a bunch of people came forward and said, Oh, if you watch the show with subtitles on, it tells you their names. So, uh-huh. so we've got their names through that. And then today, the way that it was confirmed that those are dark troopers is through a feature called, uh, 
descriptive audio, right? Right. Descriptive audio is this feature that you can turn on on Disney Plus where a narrator describes what's going on screen. So it'll be like, you know, an Imperial officer approaches uh, Moff Gideon. He's standing in a bay surrounded by uh, troopers clad in black armor similar to his, right? And this feature would probably predominantly be used for people that are blind, I assume. Yes. 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 Um, And then... Right at the end, it says, you know, Moff Gideon turns around and the camera pans out and shows a bay filled with dark troopers. It specifically references them as dark troopers. Interesting. <clears throat> now, we'll take a quick break here. Tom, buddy, fill us in on dark troopers. So there, there were two types of dark troopers in the EU. The first type were, or the, probably the more popular type, were from the video game Dark Forces, and they were an Imperial project uh, to make these badass super battle droids. And they had, they were giant gray black droids and they were really tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the lesser known variant comes from one of the dark empire series where a flunky of Palpatine's was working on a project to imbue, like basically make super soldiers out of stormtroopers by imbuing them with force powerful blood which i think it's kind of obvious maybe which one they're going for in this right i i think they're going for a combination of both i think oh. so too like that's exactly what it, it seems like version one is complete and they're still making the attempt at version two yeah. oh okay okay and i i get why people think that the, the bodies that we saw first are Snoke and that's a cool concept, but I think that Palpatine had his Snoke slash clone plan worked out already Before. by this point. Yeah, I agree. And is as ruthless and strong as Gideon is, I don't think he got the invite to the unknown regions. Yeah. See, that was kind of my question. You know, because the exact timeline of when The Mandalorian takes place is a tiny bit nebulous. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's just kind of a blanket five years after Return of the Jedi. But it's not right. super specific. I have a hard time placing when it is in regards to, you know, the bulk of the Empire, the remaining Empire, uh, retreating into the unknown regions and, you know... <clears throat> at what stage Palpatine's resurrection is at, because I know in the novelization, they say it's not a smooth process. It, right. you know, it's, it's not something where he just, you know, pops into the clone body or whatever. It's, it's something that doesn't go well at first. They weren't exactly prepared for it to happen when it did. Right. And <clears throat> and I had a feeling if this were connected to Palpatine, you know, if this were like a, satellite branch operating in the current galaxy they wouldn't leave traces of themselves like they are here no that i think that's a good point too so so are you guys thinking that maybe we're gonna see version one of the dark troopers and they are sort of droids because i could see how that would be the case because why would he just be keeping dudes in these bays right with some sort of like smoke or steam or or cooling gas or whatever blowing uh, all around you, them. You've got a bunch of Robocops in there. Maybe, maybe that it messes with their life expectancy or 
or they have to like winter soldier them somehow. Yeah. Um, now I will say Seven on of nine. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, on upon watching it the second time, the one body that they show fairly clearly in the tank, mm-hmm. um, I would not say it looks exactly like Snoke in any way. It's not like seemed they're hunchback and deformed on one side. Yeah, and its head like does half of it seemed normal, and the other half seemed deformed. Yeah, and its head did seem to have some sort of scarring or deformity going on too. So I can absolutely see why people would see that and examine it more closely and then think like, oh, is this and who knows? Maybe it's a combination of both. Like it lends credibility to the fact when Palpatine says, you know, out of nowhere that he created Snoke. You know, I created him. Right. Where you know, and and even now, you know, it's still kind of nebulous. Like, is Snoke a person that once was and was cloned or is Snoke completely constructed? He's a, what is it they call it, Tom, a strand cast? A strand cast, yes. He's a strand cast. Now, what is one, that, Tom? One, it's a type of clone or um, a, a bioengineered being. Yeah. And the... The, last month, there were two books called Star, the Star Wars book that came out. Um, and one of them went into detail on some of the characters, including Snoke. And a, <laughs> essentially, it, the idea was that Snoke was an autonomous being who was at the same time guide, And he had his own power, his own will, but he was guided by Palpatine. Right. And that term strand cast is something that's popped up a couple of times in the Mandalorian. It even popped in the up. Mandalorian. Uh, yep. Do you know, uh, Cara Dune says something about him in the first season or did some, no, someone asked Queel asked her if she was a strand cast, right? Okay. Or if the kid, <sighs> or if the, the kid yeah, was, maybe he was talking about the, the child. Was yeah, a, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's like, no, 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 no. <clears throat> okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, it it does make you. And then, you know, I we bring it up from time to time. That was there was that interview, uh, leading into the first season of The Mandalorian, where John Favreau or Dave Filoni or both of them, whatever it was, said that we would see hints at the beginning of the First Order at some point in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, all that combined, I can absolutely see why people would think that that was in some way related to Snoke or Palpatine. And honestly, I don't think the door is closed. I think it's still a possibility that it is. You know, when we see Snoke in those Kylo Ren comics, he's just kind of chilling in his own hideaway, growing plants and stuff, right? Like, yeah. And his big weed farm with a silly hat and shit. Yep. Right. It takes, you know, that's what 20 years away from now. He's got 20 years to chill in his little, you know, space garden. Yeah. <laughs> before yeah. he's got a, like a whole empire, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think that part and then the, the dark troopers at the end, that's what took me by surprise. That was what sort of, you know, uh, you have this. Those episode. were the juicy lost nugget reveals. Yes, exactly. Right. That's what made this more than just a really kick-ass, like, action episode. Right, exactly. Right. Um, 
did you guys notice? I didn't notice until King Tom clued me into this. So I want to ask you, Will, when they're walking through Navarro and and um, uh, you know the Mando's sort of like commenting on like, wow, you guys really cleaned this place up. And then they go into the school to drop Baby Yoda off. Right before they mm-hmm. go into the school, in the background, you can see a statue memorial to IG-11. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, and it was really cool. It's really cool. And they didn't, like, throw it in your face. You know, they didn't linger on the shot. They didn't do a close-up. It's just a background element. And it's really cool. I really liked it. Cool. There, there was a bunch of design stuff with the base, the interior of that troop carrier they they borrowed. Mm-hmm. I really it it really had like a New Hope type feel, like all the little switches and buttons. Yep, yeah. It was nice to see them get some extra life out of that vehicle, you know, because yeah. it was only seen so briefly previously. Like it was a serious chase scene with that thing this time. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, and I I guess we should mention that this episode was directed by Carl Weathers. I think he did an excellent job. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. The pacing of this episode was like perfect. Cause Mm -hmm. I'll admit, like, that's not always the case with this show. I love chapter nine for obvious reasons. But to me, there were a couple of slight pacing issues. A lot of shots of them like riding in one way direction. And then they're like, okay, we got to go back. So they go back. And then they're like, nah, we got to go back. And then they go back to the other place. You know what I mean? Mm, the yeah. pacing of this episode, like, that's what, you know, I know sometimes <clears throat> people's initial reaction seeing that an, an episode of The Mandalorian is going to be like 39 minutes or 38 minutes you know, can have a bit of a negative reaction at first because we just want more. It's understandable. But I think it was like the length and the quality and everything lined up so well. It's just perfect Uh, for the length. There's, (laughs) you can't really say this episode is perfect for obvious reasons, but the pacing I thought was really well or really well handled was really good. Um, And some primo baby Yoda moments. Oh, yeah. You hear him giggle probably the most in this one when they're doing that uh, that dog fight. Oh, man. He has a real good time with that. He does. Hey, uh, Will, next time you have a car problem, I think you just take your baby and let it crawl into the engine and try to give it mm-hmm. instructions. Yeah, tell it to crosswire. Yeah. He's like, it's worth a shot. I was like, that is a long shot, my friend. <laughs> Well, I do think it shows that, you know, we, when you think of a baby, right, you think of a certain level of like understanding and sentience, right? And I think sometimes we don't give baby Yoda enough credit for how much he does understand because obviously well, they're they, very coy with that. They are. They don't they play with that. They do play with that. You're, you're exactly right. But, you know, this episode, like, you're you're seeing that he can sort of follow like basic instructions to a point. He it doesn't go well, but like he's like look at the red blue one, and then he literally looks at the blue one. So I think maybe he's a little more uh, advanced than sometimes we think he is. If that makes sense, more toddler and less infant. Yes, yes, I think mm-hmm. that's probably a good call. <clears throat> you you guys want to hear my uh, my current baby Yoda theory that I've been 
letting stew a little cock of duty speculating. Okay. So I think we're going to see Ahsoka next week. I think there's been some news this week that kind of confirms that, you know, it's been kind of the running theory that we'd probably see her in episode five because Dave Filoni is directing the fifth episode. But, uh, I think Ahsoka at some point when, you know, upon meeting baby Yoda, is going to connect to him through the force. And that is how we get the reveal of his name. That would be cool. That would, would make be. a lot of sense. Because how else are they going to find out his name? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It would but, have to be a being with that would communicate with him. Right. So I kind of feel like maybe that is their, their opportunity to tell us his name. And, you know, there's there were interviews post-season one where people were like, yeah, I know Baby Yoda's name. It hasn't been a ton of them. It was like Bob Iger and obviously John Favreau and stuff. But Taika Waititi was real, <laughs> real, uh, uh, you know, uppity about it. I say uppity. I mean, he was like, "Baby Yoda has a name." Yeah. So I think, I mean, if they've already established what it is, they're going to reveal it to us at some point. And we've been getting a lot of shit this season, so I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> oh, and. And speaking of episode length, it looks like next week's episode's actually going to be the longest one so far of all the episodes. It's going to be 58 minutes. And the title, oh, wow. title of the episode is The Jedi. Oh, my. So that's going to be awesome. Yep. Um, I got to say, having taken a, like a couple-week break from Squadrons... Uh, this episode made me want to play Squadrons, seeing the inside of those TIE fighter cockpits. Well, that's the... good to hear, because now that I've got internet back, I would love to play some Squadrons. Oh, we'll make it happen, buddy. <clears throat> um, I can't tell you how, and it, was, it may be goofy, but I can't tell you how excited I was to see a TIE fighter pilot in this show. Well, it's interesting to see them take damage in the cockpit. You know, I, I don't feel like I had seen that quite so much before. Like, I know in A New Hope, inside of the cockpit kind of, take some damage and then you see them blow up but like i in in this episode you really see them take incoming fire inside the cockpit yeah you know it it, it goes to shit pretty quick in there man the scene when the razor quest quest the razor crest swoops in to save the day from the tie fighters and uh it plays like the real triumphant music and shit. oh so good and just constantly blowing me away with the quality of these episodes. <clears throat> you know, like I'm impressed at what a good pilot he is. Yes. You know, I may not, they may not do that intentionally, but it feels like he's a really good pilot, especially with the older model ship. Yeah, man. Like it, it is, they really seem like they're uh, hitting that point home this season, you know, with chapter nine, we see his, um, shenanigans or chapter 10 his shenanigans escaping from the new republic and then we really see him show off this episode against those tie right. fighters he does like that mm -hmm. steep climb and then uh stalls out and then dives dives straight at the other tie fighter it's such a cool move dude the mon calamari fix job was pretty hilarious that's pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny too. I loved all the Mon Cal's and Quarren's in that last yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, King Tom, you got anything else we, you wanted to hit? I'm trying to think of 
It's been a little all over the place. In general? Yeah. um, The holiday special was out this week. Oh, yeah. Did you get a chance to watch that, Will? No, I haven't. The Lego holiday special came out this week, and it's fun. It's fun. It's cute. It's like, it's what you would expect. It's silly. It's fun. It's cute. Mm -hmm. It's heartwarming. It takes place after episode nine. Um, You see uh, Ray training Finn in the force, which I thought was pretty cool. cool. That's Mm -hmm. good to know. Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely not something that is going to be considered hardcore solid canon. But it's a good time. I I suggest you check it out. I can imagine they got some gists in there from what they have in store. Yeah, you know, and I'm sure it had you it, like everything else, it went through the Lucasfilm approval process. So they if they didn't want to have Ray training Finn post episode 9 in there, they would have told them they can't do that, you know. Right. <clears throat> um So yeah, it, it is a good time. I enjoy I like seeing the initial trailer. I was like, I'm definitely going to watch that and I'll probably like it. But I I think I ended up liking it even more than um than I sort of initially thought I would. Um, yeah. um and then there was an interview with uh Daisy Ridley that oh, was yeah. out and they asked her about and I I just pulled this up here. Um they asked her if she would be open to exploring Ray Ray post Rise of Skywalker. She said not really because that the Rise of Skywalker was Ray's perfect ending. Um, I really, I think really she's probably running around the forest somewhere having a great time. I feel totally, totally satisfied with how that story finished. I just don't know what else she could do that I didn't have to do. Well, I understand. I completely disagree. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's so much of Ray's story you could tell. Right. It's like tabula rasa at this point. Yeah. I, I think she's been very intensely playing this part for such a long time. Right. And like anyone else, she wants to do something else. But I'm just glad to hear that she's happy with because there's been negativity around that movie and even from some of the actors. And so but it's nice to see that this is where she's at now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's it's hard to, um, you know, like it's, it's easy to understand where like John Boyega is coming from. With oh, his yeah. take on it. And and, you know, it's what i like to hear is in the the months since that interview that he did like disney reached out to him the his castmates you know uh daisy and oscar and etc reached out to him and they've talked about it and i don't know if you if you listen to how john boyega sounds now and like this is obviously who can really say i don't know the guy but he seems a little more uh comfortable and at peace with yeah. like to the point where I think someone asked him in an interview if he would do a Disney Plus Finn series, and he was like, "Absolutely," mm-hmm. or something to that effect. So you know, I like hearing that. I don't want these actors who I enjoyed so much, who I who I came to enjoy as much as I did through the lifespan of the sequel trilogy. I don't like to hear that they're upset with the work they yeah. were given and things. So. I don't want to hear how much they didn't enjoy using their time with Star Wars. You know right. I, mean? I, I want them to be happy with the product and, and with their experience. And partially, there's a there's a selfish side to that because when the time comes to bring them back, I want them to come back. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I'll say it until the last episode of this podcast or until it happens. We will see them all again. It's a matter of when, not if. 
Uh, I don't think it'll be anytime soon. I think a lot of people, regardless of whether they love the sequel trilogy, they thought the sequel trilogy was okay, they hated the sequel trilogy. I think in general, you just have to let it rest for a little while before you I return. I mean, if Harrison Ford can come back after 30 years, like you would think they could come back, right? Like, Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So, um, you guys want to jump into some uh, voicemails and emails before we call it a night? Sure. Sure. Let me get those pulled up, and we'll do that. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Ruhurt. Cockhead, Harsberger. Cockhead, Will Witt. Cockhead. Alrighty. Well, we're not kicking it off with a King Tom voicemail because this whole episode is a long King Tom voicemail. Um, so who are we going to first? I think we'll hear from our buddy, Sean Hoffman. Let's see here what he has to say. Good evening, Hawes and Will. Will, I hope your internet is up and running smoothly because we've been uh, missing you on the moisture farm. No. Anyway, I have uh, two questions for you guys tonight. Uh, first, now that the dust is settling from the Bo-Katan reveal, how do you think her story arc will play out? Do you think she's going to be portrayed as a good character or perhaps more of an anti-hero? To me, I'm excited. I'm always excited to see tie-ins with other parts of the franchise, but I hope they don't water her character down as a means to give Mando some sort of closure after his journey with Baby Yoda. I don't necessarily see her as a hero, but more of a Saw Gerrera type. Uh, she'll do what it takes to accomplish her goals, no matter the cost, but you, you don't necessarily always root for her. Um, so how do you, like, how do you see that going? Uh, my second question is a little more open-ended. Uh, let's assume they know how they want the series to end and aren't going to attempt to drag it out over 20 seasons. That would be cool, but like I imagine, it just gets kind of a lull. Uh, let's say there's there's going to be four seasons max. Uh, how do you think all of this will end? Do you think the child will be with Din all the way to the end of the series? Um, is that his complete arc, or maybe that will end and it becomes more of a more about finding himself in his relationship with Mandalore? Uh, what do you think will happen to Baby Yoda? Uh, my opinion is constantly evolving, but right now I believe that his journey with Baby Yoda is going to be his complete story arc. Uh, everything else is just icing on the cake that affects his quest to protect him. Personally, I don't think Baby Yoda, uh, I don't think he'll be left with the Jedi or Luke. Um, if they do cross paths, uh, I think Luke will say that he's too young and he needs to be with his people until he is older, leading Din on a quest to find his species. 
Uh, as for Den, I'm not sure what his outcome will be. I'm torn between an honorable death protecting the child right before he's safely with his species or something with a bit more closure allowing him to walk away and into the sunset only to have baby Yoda waddle after him to give him one last hug. Um, I don't know. I love to speculate on the endgame stuff just to see how wrong I am in the end, but uh, what do you guys think? Thanks again for the great podcast. Uh, keep up the good work. Oh, you know we love some cock duty speculating around here. Uh, why don't you kick it off, Will? What do, you, what do you think? What do you think about Bo-Katan's role going forward, and what do you think sort of the end game of the series will be? So I think if you're looking for a spinoff that's not Ahsoka, I think Bo-Katan, the story of Bo-Katan is a good way to spin something off from the Mandalorian. Just Bo-Katan. Uh, you could... Yeah, just Bo-Katan. You could tell either through flashback or, you know, prologue, you know, what happened to her after the purge, how she got to where she is when we see her with the Mando, and what happens afterward. Um, I think that, I mean, because uh, my mind's going blank on the actress's name, but Starbuck, the lady that plays Bo-Katan um she's pretty good and she did a good Bo-Katan I can I I would dig seeing her, more of her Bo-Katan um and you know I think if you do a spinoff you know, that's more opportunity for Din Djarin to do a crossover into that spinoff you know I, I artistically it's probably wise that when the men when Din Djarin brings the child to where he needs to be, that wraps up Din Djarin's story. But I don't think it has to be. Like he is such a badass, and you know he's learning so much about himself through his interactions with the child. It would be interesting to see what that evolved Mandalorian looks like after that quest is completed. And he, what he does, whether he goes back to bounty hunting, whether he's got some other, you know, some other north to guide his compass, or, or I don't think that doesn't have to be the end. It could be, and it, it would make sense, but it doesn't have to be. Um, pro- probably, maybe will be, just because there's so many people involved. You know, I don't know how long they want to keep going. And if you really are going to spin something off, you know, you want that to have legs too. So. It could be could, the child's end of story could be the end, but doesn't have to be. And if if you don't want it to be, you could bring him back in the Bo-Katan spinoff for you know whatever you need. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what do you think, Tom? I think I think Bo-Katan is going to be a hero here, and I don't know whether it's here or in her own piece of media. I think she's going to be the one getting Mandalore back for the Mandalorian people. Mm -hmm. I do think, I don't know if that will be done here. I do think part of her function in this story is going to be giving Din the nudge to be able to take off his helmet, to break from the things he knows as a child of the watch. Yeah. I think she is going to have that influence on him. I, I don't, I don't know if Din's going to be part of this return to Mandalore. He might. Part of me wonders, though, what if 
the Mandalorian isn't necessarily Din, but is the child. Oh, interesting. Because the armorer said, you know, you're now a clan of two. Yeah. And yes, Din's trying to, to bring him back to his people. But he's also experiencing Din's way of life and seeing it being raised like that. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't know how it's but this is my speculation that the Mandalorian is going to be about the child. Yeah, it's totally possible that he takes him to Ahsoka and Ahsoka's like, I can't he doesn't want to go to the Jedi. He wants to stay with you. Or right. it, it could be that like I think I don't there think are no we're Jedi to take him to. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna see him show up and Ahsoka's like, Hey, thanks for the baby Yoda. We're leaving. I, think, I know where this goes. Yeah, I think she's going to have reasons why she can't take Baby Yoda. And yeah. personally, I think it's going to be because she hasn't started or is still in the midst of her journey to find Ezra, right? She's <clears throat> also dispassionate with the Jedi. She may not believe that he belongs with the Jedi. Well, yeah, I mean, she doesn't consider herself a Jedi anymore, right? She says in Rebels, I'm, I am no Jedi, so... You know, there's there's I mean, plenty of reasons that they can can be like, nah, Ahsoka's not going to take him. Um, I mean, we we're also missing a Mandalorian that we haven't seen yet, right? Uh, Which is Sabine. Sabine, right? right. Yeah. So, is is it not entirely possible that Sabine shows up at some point? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's one hundred percent possible. It seems increasingly likely to me. Right. I mean. We've we've hit every Mandalorian in Mandalorian history, like back to Mandalore, like you know, at least name dropped in in there. So, and then from there, you could tell the Ezra's, you know, what if they take the child where they need to be, and then Ahsoka, Sabine, and Din Djarin go looking for Ezra. Like, what if they like? enlist Din Djarin to go to the unknown regions for Ezra. <laughs> what if that's a movie? Or or a, its own series or any any, you know, any number of things. Now, I'll say I feel like and this kind of goes hand in hand, like I think it covers both of Sean's questions in a way. I kind of feel like if it's not covered in a Bo-Katan spin-off that the reclamation of Mandalore is the end game of this series. Really? I feel like, like kind of what um, Tom was saying, I think we will see slowly but surely Din Djarin realize that the way he was brought up as a Mandalorian is not the way. In fact, if he ever ends up running into the armorer and the rest of that crew again, I don't know that it goes super well for him. You know? Like... Or maybe he's the ambassador that brings them back for the reclamation of Mandalore. Maybe so. Like, I can see a situation where, as the series progresses, we see all these different Mandalorian characters introduced, right? You've got the crew from season one. Now you've got Bo-Katan and her two friends. And who knows how many other people she has with her, how many other Mandalorians. Possibly Sabine and all these other characters get introduced, and it leads to, like a Mandalorian Avengers a style Ooh. event Ooh. where they're retaking Mandalore. And oh maybe, much like Tom said, the end game is that they 
retake Mandalore and baby Yoda has found his people and it's the Mandalorians. Um, now, as far as Din's ultimate end, <clears throat> look, I, I hope they leave him alive, but I'm also not someone who is opposed to a heroic sacrifice. Like, the very reason I like Jack Shepard so much in Lost is because of how he handles the end game of Lost, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that approach. Now, I don't know. And from he, we know he has that capacity mm-hmm. from what he did at the end of the first season, right? And he was saved by G11. Like, he was ready to give it all, you know, he was ready to sacrifice himself to let them get away. Yeah, and I mean, you know, where the Mando is now versus where he is in that first episode where he's fairly ruthless. He cuts a dude who's not attacking him, who's running away, cuts him in half with the door, you know. <laughs> like, he's a, he's a, he's, you know, you're you're sort of, for lack of a better term, stereotypical bounty hunter character. Where he is from that episode to where he is now is a completely different character, which is what His you want. Humanity has grown significantly. Right. Like, yeah. you know, he does all that stuff, and Grief Karga's like, How much do I owe you? And he's like, Ah, you repaired my ship. Don't worry about it. We got to head out. You know, like, <clears throat> it doesn't seem like he's solely in it for the bounty hunting money. Like, and he clearly right. cares about Baby Yoda. There's no doubt about that now. So. I think, you know, it's definitely in his capacity to have some sort of heroic sacrifice end. But I hope, you know, part of me also hopes they don't kill him. So a little while down the road after the Mandalorian show ends, they're like, guess what? We're bringing back, you guys. Dan Jaren, he's back. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I need to see the child feast. Like, I need to see him get full. (laughs) I want to see him eat enough food that he can't eat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. How big is that dude's appetite? Right. <laughs> Give yeah. him a big tub of eggs. No. <laughs> Stack no. of macaron cookies. Yeah, I, I would prepare. They, I would prefer they just take him to like a nice buffet. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let him go crazy. And like he didn't eat the tadpole. I mean, I guess it's because the mom and dad were sitting right there, but he well, didn't eat it. He seemed like he was kind he of. Wanted fr- to. Oh, he see, I might have. I've heard, so uh, Steve said the same thing, that he thought maybe Baby Yoda wanted to eat that tadpole, but mm-hmm. I kind of saw it as like he was petting it and being like, oh, this is cool. I, I saw it. He was it in learning. A... It was a learning yeah. teaching moment. You I know, thought... it's like the first time he was actually there with parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Let's hear from Jim. Let's hear what he has to say. Halls. King Tom, and I sure hope Will's back. I am excited to hear what he has to say about these last couple episodes. But, uh, man, I sure loved watching some uh, stormtroopers get <laughs> uh, myrtleized, basically, in this. They're some <laughs> of the best, uh, like, almost over-the-top violence. Uh, but, obviously, I love it. I'm comfortable with it. But I, each time, I'm surprised they push the envelope as far as they do. And I love the returning characters and how we can get a character and not know they're going to be a returning character until later, and we can assume. But I wanted to ask you three gentlemen, what uh, what's your top five characters that we've had, new characters that we've had uh, since this show started? Uh, all right, gentlemen, Ignite the Green. King Tom, why don't you kick that one off, buddy? Top, top five, five new characters oh. introduced in the Mandalorian. Frog Lady? 
Frog Lady. Grief. Grief. IG-11. <laughs> Queel. And... I can never remember the character's name. On Tatooine... The woman in... Pelimoto? Pelimoto? Pelimoto. Yeah. Yeah. And Amy Sedaris. I, 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 yeah. I, I feel bad because I'm not including Din or Baby Yoda or Cobb or um, Bo-Katan. Well, Bo-Katan, I, I think you can get away with not considering Bo-Katan because she's not technically a new character. Yeah, and neither is Cobb. Okay, um, fair. Although his his portrayal is new. Um I don't know. There are just a lot of yeah, Jim. That's a tough question because there are a lot. There are a lot. What do you think, Will? What's your top five? Oh, definitely Moff Gideon. Okay. Uh, the armor. Uh. Uh. The frog lady. God, I'm I'm partial to the frog lady. I don't know why. She's cool. Um. Oh, Bo-Katan and Cobb Vanth. Woo! All right. So I'm going, in no particular order, IG-11, Queel. Queel is good. I left him out, but I should have had him in there. Um, Din Djarin. I got to go Din Djarin. Um, okay. IG-11, Queel. Din Djarin. Uh... You would have think going last, I would have had a chance to think about this and, and get it, it. It's too many options now. Yeah, there's a lot of good characters. Um, I do love Amy Sedaris's character. I really like the Mithril, uh, especially after this this last episode. I got to let it sit with me for a little while, though, before I can add him to a top five. Um, I'll definitely say Moff Gideon, so that would be four. And... Um, I, I would almost say Cobb Vanth, which would be surprising, like especially considering my stance on him just a couple months ago. Uh, but, I mean, really, it's more about who they used Cobb Vanth to introduce at the end of the episode. So I won't say him. Frog Lady is strong. I would not be opposed to considering Frog Lady. Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Amy Sedaris's character as well, though. Peli, Mato, Moto, however you say it. And you know who I just realized, like, none of us mentioned? Who's that? Um, Werner Herzog. Oh, my oh. gosh. It seems like three three lifetimes ago that he was it in the does. show. Yeah, that's another one. Oh, and, I mean, Grief. Grief is, I mean, yeah. unfortunately, Grief knocks uh, Amy Sedaris out of the top five for me. He's such a good character. Mm-hmm. Warner Herzog has a new documentary out about meteorites that looks really good. I haven't seen it, but like, I very much want to. Oh, I'm gonna check that Listen out for sure. To him talk about fiery balls firing to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got a email from Kobe. Hey, Halls, Will, and possible guest. Hope you're all having a good day. But that shouldn't be too hard, since by the time you read this, Mando episode three should be out. So this email might be lengthy, but I have some burning hot questions for you guys this week. Just a little background begin for before I begin. 
So my occupation is a telecommunications technician, phone, internet, TV, etc. And since I started my first job out of college a few months ago, I have spent a lot of time around in my work van all day. So I've been ripping through episodes of Blue Harvest every day to pass the time. At this point, I've resorted to listening to episodes from way back. I mean like Will walking in on halls in the basement working on his saber cock machine thing <laughs> lol i don't even remember th this reference this is an this old is, reference that's um uh it's a lightning dick saber dick that's from one of those commercials okay yep that's from a stone cobra commercial anyways now that you are picturing 2015 to 2016 2016 halls and will in your head here's my questions number one after listening back to the most prehistoric of Blue Harvest episodes, I noticed a lot of differences in the guys talking back then and the ones I'm so accustomed to now. I noticed then you guys were very bullish on the prequels, like you made a lot of points on saying how much you liked them, or at least parts, and how you didn't hate on them like the rest of your friends. Not saying you guys hate on them now, but you definitely don't bring them up as often as you would the originals or the sequels, which I know you love. So basically, my question is, do you think that after getting the sequel trilogy and how much you guys loved it, it changed your perception on how much you liked the prequels? Or am I just reading into it too much? I'd say we can cover that first. Uh, we'll, we'll hit these one by one because I'll forget. Um, I would say my opinion of the prequels hasn't so much changed. I think Star Wars discussion in general has changed. If you think back to like 2015, 2016, when the podcast is just getting going, we don't have all this new Star Wars to discuss, right? I think we have the sequels, the or the original trilogy, <clears throat> the prequel trilogy, Clone Wars, things like that, the beginning of Rebels. And as time goes on and we've gotten so much more Star Wars through the sequel trilogy, the spinoff movies or the standalone movies... Uh, Rebels, Resistance, Mandalorian, etc., etc. I think that just becomes the focus of the discussion. You know, like I think early on, because we'd never podcasted before, like, what do you do on a Star Wars podcast? Well, I guess you got to get your opinions about the prequels out there. That's what people, that really matters, what you think about the, the Phantom Menace. You know what I mean? I feel like it's because. You know, we had two eras to talk about, right? We had the prequels, mm -hmm. and then, and then the original trilogy, and this, and then we once the sequel trilogy came out, there was very little reference of the prequel trilogy in the sequel trilogy. So, and most of the reference in the sequel trilogy was from the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. I may be confusing people here, but um, it was just there. Those two time periods correlate more closely. Uh, than the prequel era. Now, I will say one of the things about the prequels that has come to my mind since uh, all of the sequel trilogy is released, I have a greater appreciation for George knowing where he was going when he started <laughs> to Fair episode one to where he ended in episode three. Um, now, y you know, I still have parts that make me cringe in the prequel, uh, you know, when I watch them, but I, I still think they're good. You know, I still yeah. think they're good movies. I still like them. I, I may even like them more because 
they it kind of solidifies their place within the store the overall storyline right like right. and you know i i don't think there's any denying that the more new star wars we get the more special the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy will will be to a lot of people including us because of george lucas's involvement right like not exactly not taking exactly. away anything from any of the creators that have worked on star wars since the disney right. sale at all but there is something special about his involvement with those first two trilogies right. and I, the clone wars and stuff i also think and i i wasn't i didn't really contribute to those first few shows but around that time there was a lot of smack talking about the prequels, especially mm-hmm. from official channels. Yep. When you had J, you know, JJ is making fun of, you know, he's going to throw out Jar Jar's bones in the desert and real sets, practical effects. Yeah. And I think people like people, a lot of people wanted the sequel trilogy to be the antithesis. Better, yeah. But <laughs> to be better production wise and to be received better from the prequels. That didn't really turn out to be the case. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I think I think I think that's a timing issue where I think in the future people are going to love the sequels. I think so too. I I and, mean, yeah. I think the cuz if you had told me, Tom and Will, in the year 2000 that I would know people that like passionately defend the Phantom Menace, I would have thought mm-hmm. you were crazy. Because right. from my worldview of the Phantom Menace, which was a bummer because it was a movie I really enjoyed, but my like worldview pop like general consensus uh, in the population was that that movie was terrible, and that you can't defend it, right? And mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, <clears throat> I'm protective of nah. Star Wars for better or worse. I'm protective of Star Wars, especially if it's a Star Wars that I like. And guess yeah. what? They haven't done one that I hate yet. So. Inf- in some ways, in, you know, you and I have dissected, you know, all the prequels a million different ways. But, you know, you can look at it in any way. But in some ways, episode one is maybe the best out of those three. I you honestly know, I, feel that way now. And I don't even know. I would have, uh, back in the day, I would have said Revenge of the Sith. But I right. agree with you. I think Phantom Menace probably is the best one. I agree. And I, I have uh, come around to that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even since the sequel trilogy has come out. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's totally fine. You don't have to, your opinion on star Wars can evolve. It can. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can change your mind. You don't have to have a set in stone. Never changes ranking. That's why I don't rank star Wars movies anymore. Cause I think it's silly because you want to know what my favorite star Wars movie is. Whichever one I'm fucking watching. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. All right. Let's move on to question two. Hypothetically, there are two music festivals with four bands each going on on the same day. You can only pick one. The order they are typed in or the order are the order they play in. Okay. You ready? So we have to, the three of us have to choose one of these uh, festivals to go to. Concert number one, Weezer, Kanye West, Creed and Tool. Concert Pass. Concert Tool 2, Green Day, Madonna, Nickelback, Metallica. Oh, I'm going Concert 1. 
because oh, out of man. four of those bands or four of those acts, I will enjoy the beginning and the end of the show. And for Kanye West and Creed, I can go to like the the uh, what do you call it? Where you go get your snacks, the vending. Mm-hmm. What do you call that? Concessions. concessions. I'll go hang out in concessions. I'll you know hide around a corner and elevate myself a little bit before tool. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I think I could actually survive that one. I might even catch a couple of Kanye songs. Mm, it depends on whether it's new stuff or old stuff. Well, that's, I mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion. <clears throat> what about you, Will? Out of those two music festivals, what are you going to? I can't believe he did that to me because do you make it through the stuff to get to tool or do you make it through the other stuff to get to Metallica? That's hard. That's the thing. Two is easy for me to, to dismiss because a I've seen Metallica. Like I, it's not that I would, uh, pass up seeing them again, but Metallica is not somebody I'm going to be like falling out of my wheelchair to see again. If they come to Birmingham, I'll get tickets and go see them. I'm not making like the trip. You know, there's there's quite a few Metallica songs I can go without hearing live. And <laughs> a lot of them end up in the Metallica set list nowadays. Now, the first concert. That's true. I'll enjoy Weezer. Show up early. Enjoy Weezer. You know, <clears throat> I can suffer through the other two. And then it ends with my ex- my favorite band of all time. Like, yeah, that's an easy choice for me. I'm pro- Yeah. I'll, I'll take concert one. And concert two, festival one. I don't really like anybody but Metallica. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Madonna. There's plenty of Madonna songs. I'm like, yeah, that's a good song. I could handle Madonna, but like, if you know anything about her nowadays, like, it's scary. Like, I don't know that a show these days would be enjoyable. I don't. I couldn't tell you what Madonna's been up to since like uh, Ray of Light or whatever that was. (laughs) What about you, King Tom? Oh, definitely concert one. For I me. mean, I figured as much as Weezer. Yeah, I have no. I like you. You know, let's go get some snacks and elevated during both the second and third uh, acts. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, and then he says, "P.S. Just thought it was cool. I recently subscribed to your Patreon. Thanks, buddy. And I noticed that I was your one hundredth supporter. So I wanted to say congrats on that because it's definitely an accomplishment." And I'm glad I could be a part of it. You guys are the best and totally deserve every accolade. You guys are awesome. I hope to still be listening when you guys hit 1,000. I don't. That's quite a ways away, buddy. And every big milestone after that. Have a good one. May the force be with you. Kobe, a.k.a. Mr. 100. Well, you just gave yourself a nickname, Kobe. You are now Mr. 100. Uh, I also, you know, I course i'm patreon subscriber and i just want to say i got my stickers this week and they are awesome i'm glad you enjoy them buddy yeah yeah i'm glad to get those out going to go ahead and start ordering the next round of those rewards i got some cool ones planned um all right next up we have an email from hannah hi halls and will or possible guest co-host hope all is well with you both and you're staying safe They just put restrictions back into effect where I live, and it's back to bunkering down at home. At least we have the Mandalorian to look forward to. My question today is about the Star Wars hotel rooms they're finishing up at Disney World. 
They released a couple of photos from the hotel room inside the Galactic Star Cruiser. And while it looks pretty freaking cool, the price is nuts. I read about, I read, and it's about $1,000 per night per person. I can't get behind spending that much when most people would already be spending an arm and a leg to go to Disney World. Would you shell out that many credits to stay there? Hope all, I hope you have a great weekend and may the force be with you, Hannah. Woo! A thousand dollars per person per night is a pricey. I would like to say that I would shell that out, but I can dream about it for free. So I'm not sure that I would. I would, I might have to fake a terminal illness and get make a wish to send me. <laughs> That's brutal. Man, I want to. You know what I mean? I would love. And the pictures are cool. You look like you're staying in the bunk room of a Star Wars ship. Like even the window looks out onto space and stuff. Yes, of mm-hmm. course I would love to go. And you know, you get your entry into Galaxy's Edge included and stuff. Not that that's a huge discount when you're paying $1,000 per person. Yeah. You get to ride our two specialty rides for free. Hang out at the bar and make a lightsaber. <laughs> At this point, yeah, which then you got to pay a couple hundred bucks for. At yeah, this right. point, I would just settle for going to Galaxy's Edge, to be completely honest. I want to go there so bad. Like, that would be enough for me. Would I love to go to the Star Wars Hotel? Yes. Will it be a goal of mine to some way try to pull it, someday pull it off? Yes, but I'm going to need a Groupon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you better hit me up with a Groupon, Disney. I'm, I'm going to have to go, like, a couple of weeks before they close it down for good and everything's all broken and shit. Inside. When is Galactic Discount Weekend? Yeah, for real. <laughs> that's, that's when it'll have the uh, Galactic bed bugs. Yes. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be coming home and be like, I'm itchy. <laughs> I feel anemic. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pricey, man. And And that's the thing. When they first announced it, it was kind of known that like this is going to be inexpensive endeavor if you want to get in so it's brutal but we'll see maybe one day win the lottery we're all going to the star wars hotel we're having the first yeah blue harvest convention at the star wars hotel it'll just be you and me (laughs) (laughs) no we'll get king tom we'll get we'll get the whole family man all the moisture farmers they'll be like that is a rowdy crowd at the galactic (laughs) star cruiser this weekend they're talking about eating booty like groceries, They'd breaking be like, character. Y- you guys realize we're not in space, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, you could, I, you could afford Maybe me. Maybe you aren't, man. <laughs> can, we get, can, can we get Silas Carson? Oh, he'll be our big guest of honor, and Tom will just clown on him the whole time. <laughs> oh, I love this idea. I Gotta start buying some lottery tickets, I guess. We'll make this happen. Um, all right, we got one more email and then we'll call it a night. Uh, this is from Shay. Dear Halls, Will, and esteemed guest, it's been a while since I last wrote. I hope you are well. Can't wait to hear, hear Will's hot takes on the latest two Mandalorian episodes. I've missed hearing his steady, assured tone. Anyway, I'm writing to pile in on, on about how awesome this season of The Mando is. My girlfriend is a Star Wars fan, but she's not as familiar with the Filoni-verse, so I've had a lot of fun filling her in on the Darksaber, Bo-Katan, and Ahsoka. 
She's pretty into the show, and I loved hearing her exclaim how awesome Din Djarin is when he appeared in the Razor Crest to take down those TIE fighters in the last episode. We always joke about how Mando is just Power Rangers for adults, and we mean that as a compliment. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about Dr. Pershing and his connection to Kamino. I know he's involved in Gideon's lab program, but I can't help but wonder if we'll ever return to the mysterious water planet. I think it could also be a cool way to tie Boba back into it. Maybe the child gets captured and taken to Kamino, and Din has to get the Kamino in coordinates from Boba or something. Hell, maybe they could even team up. Just imagine Din and Boba kicking down doors and blasting those long neck bastards to rescue that little nugget. A man can only dream. Thanks again for keeping this Star Wars fan happy and occupied through quarantine. I love listening every week. This is the way, Shay. Uh, what do you think, King Tom? What do you think about Camino and the Mandalorian and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, I definitely think Pershing is somehow related to the work that happened on Camino. I don't know. It would be cool. I think that set or that location would be easy to do with the volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see why they couldn't. Personally, I, I know this kind of changing the question a little bit, I was disappointed they didn't have a Camino in or two on Exegol in Palpatine's, yeah, you know, clone area. That would have been a real easy reference to toss in there. Yeah, just have one walking around in the back. Um, but yeah, I don't see why there's any reason they, they can't go there. And then maybe have like a, a like a fight between Din and Boba or someone on the landing platform. Oh, oh, that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of them teaming up, though. That's, yeah, I, I just can't say which way it's going to go. If you know, whenever Boba shows back up, I think it's not going to go great because he's not actually Mandalorian, and and Den's pretty strict about that, and he's not going to want to give him back that armor, and I think Boba's going to want that armor, so. Well, he's coming around. He worked with Bo-Katan. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that will will ease the whole thing. Um, I, I... If there's some transaction to be made to benefit the child, he'll let the armor go. It's one of those things where I, I feel like so much of this show is intentional, right? To the point where it mm-hmm. seems like almost every little thing they do is intentional. And the fact that they included that Camino Caminoan patch on Pershing, like, yeah, I get that that can be just a nice little Easter egg thing for ultra fans to notice and then tell other people. So I can be like, oh, did you know that that patch is from Camino? Um, so I, I feel like it is intentional. And at this point, I feel like just about everything's on the table. So I could see them going back there for some reason. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess is what I'll say. What do you think, Will? It, it wouldn't surprise me either. No. It would be interesting to see Camino, but maybe not necessarily in the hands of the Kaminoans anymore. Like maybe something bad has happened on Camino. The facilities are in disrepair, you know, something different has happened on the planet. Yeah. I, I think because that's a, a, an interesting way that they could approach it too, right? It's it's been it's off the star charts, right? Like 
ever since the prequels, Camino isn't on the star charts. I guess in the in the in the Jedi in the Jedi uh, archive, yeah. at the very least, I would assume the Empire went to links to not put it on any of their maps. I don't know. I, I bet you it's probably. I don't know. That's a weird. I didn't even think about that. Like that is a little wrinkle, but um, you know, with all the crazy shit they're doing in this show, I don't think you can discount the idea either. They the Camino has definitely Camino. got money and they got clients. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Dexter, right? Dexter, yeah, Dex knew about yeah. them. Um, and then there was you know some Camino and uh, stuff that went down in the Clone Wars as well. So it's it's I. I think uh, I think it's probably a little more well known. I mean, there's so many planets that you know. I, I imagine it's known by people that know about it or some shit. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, I uh, I think that does it for this for us this week. Uh, Tom, buddy, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. It's been uh, a lot of fun. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, Tom Chansky on Twitter and then every week on the Sith list and Patreon shows for here, Blue Harvest, Steel Wars and the Bad Motivators. And Will, buddy, I'm so glad you're back. Man, it's good to be back. It's good to talk to you, man. It's good to talk to y'all too. Hey, man. I'm glad I made it back for Tom's episode as well. We're going to have Ahsoka to talk about next week. I'm pretty Ay, sure. Caramba. I'm sure we are in for some shit. And I wonder if we are going to see a lightsaber fight between her and Moff Gideon. Oof, that could be cool. I would love to see how they're going to handle a live-action lightsaber fight in The Mandalorian. I'm a huge Rosario Dawson fan. I just think she's incredibly talented. She brings up (laughs) the professional level in a lot of things she does. I'm I'm interested to see what her portrayal of Ahsoka is like, because this is... You know, we've we've gotten Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan, played by the same actress who voiced her. So I think this will be a real test, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing somebody besides the original voice actress play Ahsoka will be will be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, anyways, guys, uh, real quick, like us on Facebook, Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us if you want to hear your voice message or email on the show blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com if you enjoy us want to support us like our buddy mr 100 uh, we have a patreon and we post all kinds of bonus podcasts over there patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast and we will talk to you guys next week thanks so much for listening this has been blue harvest and i'm Hals burkhart and i'm will witten i'm tom chansky may the force be with you May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.